Welcome to the On The Air podcast, a companion to On The Air magazine, a bi-monthly magazine from ARRL for beginner to intermediate ham radio operators. I'm your host and the editor of On The Air magazine, Becky Schoenfeld, W1BXY. Every month, the On The Air podcast extends material found in On The Air magazine to help you learn about the many things the ham radio hobby and service has to offer. The On The Air podcast is sponsored by ICOM for the love of ham radio. Welcome to the September 2023 episode. In the September-October 2023 issue of On The Air, our cover story focuses on fox hunting, a radio direction finding activity that you can enjoy with a radio club or group or even with just one or two other friends. And they don't even have to be a ham. Uh, today we're joined by Rob Zielfelder, N1NUG, who wrote our cover story, Fox Hunting Basics. And he's here to talk about how to get started in finding those foxes. Welcome, Rob. Thanks, Becky. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me. So first things first, when we talk about ham radio fox hunting, we're not talking about um, trying to find a little woodland creature. No, not at all. Yeah, so uh, what exactly is fox hunting? Well, basically when you're fox hunting, you're looking for a hidden transmitter of some kind. Um, it may be actually a, a hidden transmitter in the woods, or it may be your friend who's hiding somewhere and you need to go find your friend or a club member or something like that. So basically it's just, you're looking for another radio. So um, that other radio can be uh, a person with something as simple as a handheld mm -hmm. radio. Yep. Um, and I understand that some of these uh, Fox transmitters are um, set up to run by themselves and they're, they're known as Fox boxes. What, what yep. goes into a Fox box? Um, there's, there's a few different styles and kind of complexity of a Fox box. Um, around here, we've got some groups that, that have put some together that are nothing more than basically an HT with some sort of a little controller that they put inside of um, something kind of weatherproof like a spare ammo can or, or some kind of weatherproof box with a battery that's able to run it for maybe a week or two or something like that. Um, something that's small enough that they can hide but not so small that it's not something, you know, it's going to be hard to find. Mm -hmm. um, and typically they'll take and hide that somewhere in a, you know, in a public place, like a park, maybe a cemetery even, hmm. um, or you know, state forest land, something like that, where they can kind of camouflage it and keep it out of the public eye, but still have it be reasonably findable by like the average person. Um, there's also some smaller ones that you can get that are lower power, um, where in order to kind of use them, you need to be in closer proximity those are a little bit smaller. They can be hidden in a, in a little bit more devious places. So some of the groups that like a little more of a challenge will use those. Um, I've even seen some situations where they'll do, uh, you know, a fox hunt with a larger box. And then when you get to the larger box, there's a small one on another frequency. So when you're in the area, then you've got to go on foot and, and kind of look for that smaller one and gives you that extra challenge if you want it. Cool. Uh, so about, uh, what kind of distance range do these fox hunts take place in? Um, it kind of depends on the setup. So with the automated fox boxes, um, the ones that I've participated on here in Connecticut, 
Um, I'd say the range can be anywhere between five and 10 miles, depending okay. on how the person that constructed the box decided to construct it, what kind of power they want to run on their radio and what kind of battery they have. And some of them will use a little bit bigger of an antenna. Um, and of course, it also depends on where they place it. Um, if they place it on a hilltop, it's going to be kind of accessible from further away. If it's in a valley, it might be a little bit closer range type hunt. Mm -hmm. um, some of the ones that we do where it's kind of a live fox hunt, um, the ones that my club participates in, we do a radius of 20 miles. Oh. Um, and that gives it a little bit more of a driving element. Okay, so when you say uh, a live fox hunt, that means the fox is, is a person with a handheld. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so just for an example, the way our club does it, um, every New Year's Day, we kind of do this traditional fox hunt. And it's also sort of um, an exercise for the club to exercise some of the gear that we have, the, the emergency response gear. We have a trailer that we have access to. Um, so typically the club president will take the trailer, find a spot, he'll plan this all out ahead of time. And so instead of just an HT, he'll actually have the trailer with a two meter radio and maybe multiple antennas set up. Mm -hmm. um, and in th it, those are the 20 mile hunts. So he'll you know, set that up so that he can be heard at the starting location where mm -hmm. we start from. And then from there, he might start to play games with the antennas he's using, the amount of power he's using, that kind of a thing to kind of throw the hunters off and, and make the hunt a little more challenging. So the, the fox can be anything from a person with a handheld radio to an automated transmitter fox box kind mm -hmm. of setup, or in, in your case with this, this longer 20 mile hunt, it's a whole MCOM trailer. Yeah, it's an MCOM wow. trailer, it's a whole event. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the, the fox side of it. So let's talk about the, the hunter side of it. What, what are the hunters equipped with? Uh, what kind of gear do they have? And how are they finding the fox? So you can, as you can imagine, you can get as crazy as you want to with this. Um, but sort of the average setup, um, say for the, the 20 mile hunt, is um, somebody's got a Yagi, um, whether it's a tape measure Yagi that they've constructed themselves or maybe something that they've, they've bought um, I know there's Yagi kits that easily come apart and store in the trunk of your car, something like that. So the hunters will start with that, um, some kind of a directional antenna. Mm -hmm. um, and where our starting location is, at the beginning of the hunt, the, the fox will transmit for a predetermined amount of time. Mm -hmm. And the hunters will take their Yagis and try and get a bearing on which direction they think the fox is. Mm -hmm. um, and the radio that they're using will typically be an HT or something connected up to the Yagi. It doesn't have to be, but a radio with a signal meter. Mm -hmm. Because what you need to be able to do is you need to be able to turn that antenna and watch the signal meter and see where it's strongest. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and that's sort of the, what I'll call the most basic setup. Um, but there's some other setups that are a little more elaborate for those that you know, are into more of the technical side of the hobby. Um, they can use something called a Doppler setup, where you have four antennas and a, a control box that automatically determines that bearing. Um, they can use that. And then I've even seen some hams will construct something similar out of Arduinos and SDRs and get all crazy with tablets and different things and mapping apps and, and all that. But you don't need that to get started. Yeah. You can start with just a simple handmade antenna and an HT. Oh, wow. 
So, uh, so you're, you're on the hunt, you get that first signal from the fox, you, you check your radio, check the signal meter, and you, you kind of uh, cast around with your antenna to see where that signal's the strongest. So you start off in a general direction. Mm -hmm. How do you continue to narrow down uh, if you're on the right track, if you need to correct course? There's, there's a couple of techniques. Um, I'm sort of old school, so I've always used sort of a paper map that I've drawn um, bearing lines on. Mm -hmm. And I'll correlate that with a, an actual compass, and I'll look at my map and get kind of a determination of what angle I'm looking at, and then I'll start looking at my map mm -hmm. and look for likely places. The, the rule for our fox hunt is that the boxes have to be on public property. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at the map for public access and I'm starting to go that way. Um, you can also, and in, in fact, I've just been introduced to this last weekend from a fellow Connecticut fox hunter. There's some apps that you can get that you can kind of do the same thing and project out a, a heading or a bearing on you know, an electronic map and kind of plan your route that way. Um, but once you have that initial heading and start heading that direction, um, Typically, again, for the live fox hunts, our, our fox will transmit every five minutes. Mm -hmm. So we'll drive until we get to a safe spot that we can pull over, mm -hmm. and we know he's gonna transmit, and we'll try to take another bearing. Mm -hmm. um, and if we're still reading the right direction, we know we're, we're probably going the right way, mm -hmm. maybe not, but, but most likely. Um, and if, if not, if we start to see, you know, that we need to go a different way, then we'll adjust our course, look at the map or, or the mapping app and kind of hone in on it that way. Mm -hmm. um, that's sort of we do it as individual teams. But it's sort of the same technique if you were looking for an automated fox box as mm -hmm. well. You'd have a sort of a start point. You'd be able to access that fox box. You'd see the signal. Mm -hmm. You'd get that bearing and start moving that way. Okay. Yeah. And... Um, is there a time limit? Um, are there, is that part of the criteria for, for when all of this wraps up? So for our hunt, there's, there's not exactly a hard time limit. Yeah. Um, usually the first hunters come in under an hour. Um, and then there's a bunch of us that straggle behind um, for whatever reason. And usually by the two, two and a half hour mark, we're just kind of wrapping it up. So it's not super competitive. I know there are some time fox hunts out there mm -hmm. that people will set a time limit and if you don't find it, then the fox announces where they are kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, whereas if you're looking for sort of a hidden transmitter, those are out there for as long as the battery will last usually. Yeah. So you can take as much time as you want on those. And those are great for somebody that's just getting into fox hunting because you don't have that time limit. You can take your time and, and really understand kind of how to plot that course and, and drive around a little bit or, or walk around a little bit if you're that close and you're still having trouble finding it kind of a thing. Okay. And once the fox is found, uh, you know, is there, is there a winner? Is it that kind of thing? Or is it more just uh, an exercise in getting out there and enjoying radio? Um, I think there's a little of both. Yep. In, in our club, it's sort of bragging rights. Mm -hmm. There's a little plaque that gets passed around from year to year. So whoever wins keeps that plaque for a year and then gives it to the winner the next year. Um, but other than that, it's just bragging rights kind of a okay. thing. Um, and then with the automated Fox Box, 
there's really nothing. There's just a um, sort of an online chat group and you can kind of post in there when you've found it and uh, kind of share your experience, you know, with, with the group kind of a thing. So it, around here, it's pretty low key. Yeah. So um, in, in instances of a club or a group going out and doing this, um, is there um, chat between the hunters? Do they help each other? Is, are there, is there um, a spirit of sort of camaraderie and learning and helping each other? Is it a little more you keep to yourself, you try and figure things out? On, on the live fox hunts, the fox actually encourages the, yeah. the chatter. Um, it, and not so much that we're telling everybody where we think we're going, but, mm -hmm. but we may share the initial bearing that somebody got, you know, at the starting location. Or as the hunt progresses, you know, some of the stragglers might start to chat like, hey, I think, I think we should look over here. I've already been to this location, I know there's nothing here, so nobody go there, that mm -hmm. kind of a thing. Oh, okay. um, so yeah, it, there is a little bit of competitiveness where we're not outright you know, giving away the location or, or anything major, but, but um, if somebody's too far off course, you know, they'll usually be told. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, I've heard that sometimes if the fox is a live person, uh, that sometimes they will give hints and clues and sometimes they can be more straightforward like I'm I'm near a river but sometimes it can be more like riddles or yeah, or, yeah. That, yeah. that's the one thing that our, our club president usually does is yeah. is he tries to give away um, something like that yeah. like uh, for instance he might say you know I can see somebody walking a dog <laughs> and that could mean anything um, so and it, it kind of goes year to year sometimes He's a little more generous with his clues, and then some years, you know, he's trying to stump us. Um, hmm. Kind of like you said with the river. Uh, there was one year he was alluding to the river, mm -hmm. and we all thought he was in one spot, and we went to that spot, and he was on the opposite side of the river. Oh. So everyone had to drive like 15 miles around to find oh, the bridge. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so he was sneaky that year. Yeah. So. But, it sounds fun. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a lot of fun. What, uh, how long have you been involved with this, and what do you find you get out of it? So I actually, when I first got licensed back in the early 90s, um, the club was doing this same type of fox hunt, but more often. They were doing it, I think, once a month back then. Hmm. And that was one of the activities that I first got involved in when I was licensed. Uh, me and another friend that, that, were, that was licensed at about the same time. So we had a lot of fun with it. Um, just enjoying kind of being out there, meeting the, the people in the club, mm. learning about ham radio, because we were new, mm. and you know, learning how propagation worked, you know, at least as, v, as far as VHF goes, and, and direction finding, that kind of a thing, and learning how to use our radios, really. Um, so I took a, a hiatus from it for a while, just life got in the way, and then maybe five or seven years or so ago, I started to get active again and, and get involved with, with the, the fox hunts, and, um, now that I have a young son, he's come along. My wife even gets involved sometimes. Mm -hmm. And uh, my sister and brother-in-law are also licensed and they participate. So it's, it's turned into almost a, a family activity um, yeah. in, in some regards. So it's, it's been great. Yeah. So now you mentioned your sister and brother-in-law. Mm -hmm. They're licensed. Yeah. Are your wife and son licensed? No, they're not licensed. So this is an activity that you can share with folks who aren't licensed and um, 
Can you talk about how that works? How, how are we able to bring in these unlicensed folks into this activity? Yeah, it was, it was actually kind of a lot of fun um, during COVID when everyone was stuck at home. Um, our, our automated Foxbox group was putting Foxboxes out so that we had something to, to go do. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, my wife and son are tolerant of the, the radio hobby, I'll say, uh, but not particularly interested in it um, until, you know, we were sitting around the house, nothing to do, and I said, why don't we go out, why don't you come with me and we'll, we'll try and find one of these Fox boxes. So I put all the gear in the car and uh, we started driving around and, and my wife was getting into the navigation and, and you know, my son was, was really interested because it's like a game to him. Yeah. You know, all the, the young kids love games, so this was just another game that we could yeah. play. Um, and then, you know, when we got close enough where we were on foot, you know, I, I would hand him the HT and, you know, of course he can't transmit, but I had another one and I could activate the Fox box and he could use his mm -hmm. to receive and kind of try and help find that, hmm. that bearing on which way we should walk once we were kind of in that close range. Mm -hmm. So, so it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So yeah. because so much of this activity is about receiving, um, people who don't have licenses can participate on literally the receiving end because uh, as long as you're not transmitting, you don't have to be licensed. Right. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have um, any um, standout stories from hunts, um, a time when, um, you know, maybe, maybe a fox was really well hidden or disguised or somebody who was uh, who gave clues in a really interesting way or something that you uh, learned about radio? Um, I, I can tell you a story from my sister and brother-in-law that's, yeah. that's pretty funny. Um, they were out fox hunting themselves and um, they're licensed but they're not quite as involved in the hobby as, as some of us are. Mm -hmm. um, so, so they just had HTs and they didn't have the directional antennas. So it took them a little while. They got into the area where the fox was and they were walking around with their HTs and, you know, practicing the things that, that we had learned kind of as a group together. Um, I, you know, I wasn't with them um, at this time. So they're walking around and, and I think it was 45 minutes or so. Um, they, couldn't, they couldn't find this fox. They knew it was close. And finally, I think it was my brother-in-law bent down to tie his shoe and he saw something a little strange on the ground underneath a tree stump. And then he realized that the tree stump was the fox. Somebody had gone <laughs> to the trouble to take a log and hollow it out and put a fox box inside oh. of it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So um, there's that. And then, um, you know, we, I, I remember back when I was first learning how to fox hunt, uh, my friend and I uh, were just, we were, we were the last, last place. I think it was our fo first fox hunt. We were driving around for hours. And the fox was like, do you want us to tell you where you are? No, we're going to find you. We're going to find you. And we were persistent. And I think we finally, we finally got there, you know, fully last place. Um, and the, the club members felt so bad for us that the very next week, back then the rule was whoever came in first was the fox next month. Oh, mm -hmm. But they felt kind of bad for us, so they let us be the fox the oh. next month. Uh -huh. um, so then we were able to learn, you know, some of the tricks on how to throw the hunters off mm. when, when we were the fox and, and learning about, 
uh, reflections and things like that. So uh, when you're hunting at VHF or UHF, um, you, can, you can take that bearing and get a strong signal, but sometimes the signal will bounce off of hillsides mm -hmm. or buildings or something like that. Um, so we had gotten some coaching and when we set up to be the fox, we, we set up our Yagi antenna and pointed it at a hillside to try and throw the hunters off so that they thought we were somewhere else. And it worked a little bit, but these guys were too seasoned, so they were able to figure oh, it out. Yeah. But, but it, was, uh, it was fun kind of learning that and seeing how it worked and, and that kind of a thing. Great. So if, if somebody watching this or listening to this is a new ham or newer ham, or even even an experienced ham who's never tried this before and is interested um, what information or advice might you have for someone who wants to try fox hunting ah oh, i mean just try it I, I i mean you see if see if there's a um a local club in your area doing it um you know just just do some google search or ask on your local repeater that kind of a thing and see if there's a club that can kind of help you get into it um there's you know, obviously videos out there of people who are constructing the, the automated fox boxes and some fox hunting and that kind of a thing. Um, tons of resources online. Obviously the, the AWRL has some things that you can look at, articles, you know, of past QST, that kind of a thing that have um, tips and tricks and even some um, articles on how you can build some of the equipment that you, you might need kind of a thing. Um, but, but really, you don't need much to get started. Yeah. Um, you know, like we said, you can use an HT and a, and a handmade um, Yagi antenna that you can put together for, you know, on probably under $20 yeah. in parts from the hardware store. And then you just need another friend willing to hide or you hide and let your friend mm -hmm. find you yeah. kind of a thing and just start it that way. It, it, and you never know if there's nothing in your area, you may be the one to start yeah. it. Just takes you and one other person at, yeah. at the bare minimum, yeah. In the September-October issue of On the Air, uh, Rob's article, Fox Hunting Basics, is that issue's cover story. And uh, you can get a lot of good information beyond Rob, what Rob gave us here in that article. And if you're ready to dig even deeper than that, uh, you can check out an expanded version of uh, Rob's article in the May 2023 issue of QST. He has a piece in there called Beginner Fox Hunting, and that goes into um, a little more about how a fox hunt progresses, um, how various pieces of equipment work, um, even beyond some of the equipment that we've talked about here, and uh, strategies for being a successful hunter. Um, and you can find the May 2023 issue of QST online at arrl.org slash QST. So thanks again, Rob, N1NUG. Thanks for having me. Being with us here today and uh, appreciate it a lot. And the On The Air podcast will be back in October, 73. 73.